Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, as you can probably hear, I've got a few voice issues, so you'll have to bear with me this week. However, Jimmy is back with us, as is Ollie Dawes from Deepdale Digest, and making his first pod appearance of the season is Adam Salisbury. We've lots to cover, so we'll jump straight into it. Enjoy. How are we boys? Good to uh, have you all with me. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thought I was on a podcast with Sean Dyche for a second when I first joined the club. <laughs> yeah, not, not far off to be fair. I just hope it doesn't stick around like it is. Yeah, no, I'm alright. Very well. Good. Ali, you well, Pleasure mate? To be back. Yeah, all good. Uh, obviously, apart from not winning a weekend, but we'll yeah, get it. Wow. Well, sure. I've no doubt we'll cover that in some detail in the, in the <sighs> coming minutes. Uh, Jim, if you can talk, are you well? I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, recovering well from a hectic weekend in Belfast and uh, quite a few conference calls today. So, yeah. That fancy is absolutely box office, by the way. Yeah, it oh, was. It's splendid. If you've not seen it yet, then I think it's like 300,000 impressions on Twitter. Jesus. It's mental. It's like, so, yeah, it's really good. Had some good, nice messages like Paddy McGuinness messages and stuff like that. And yeah, sure. someone, nice. yeah someone's, got, someone's got it in front of Peter K as well. With of so, yeah. Loved no, it. Yeah, it, was, uh, it, it. It brought a smile to my face over the weekend. It was very good. Splendid. Better than the football, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a reminder, as always, at the start of these episodes, that you can support us here at From The Finney. If you head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From The Finney, and anything that's donated is massively appreciated. And if you're listening on Apple device, specifically on the Apple Podcast app, then if you could leave us a review in there, that'd be great as well. Um, boys, I think there's only really one place to start this, this episode. I don't really have the words, I don't think, to to do justice for what Trevor Hemmings did for the club but I think it it goes without saying that he's a man that will be fondly remembered by not just fans but a lot of people in football in race horsing uh, horse racing sorry race horsing (laughs) (laughs) that's a new one Um, yeah just just I think uh, I think a special man who just did yeah, a lot, a lot for us as a club and, and is probably the, the sole reason why we still have a football club that we can support today. Absolutely, yeah. He yeah, deserves all the credit in the world for what he's done for our club, really. Uh, you know, we were we were in a real mess uh, when he took over the club. Uh, even when he first joined the club, like which was sort of uh, in like the 80s, we were in a real hole, weren't we? And, uh, and what he's done, uh, to be fair, is... Um, outstanding uh, and will always be uh, indebted to him really um, so yeah uh, I tried to write a piece for Lance Live it was actually one of the hardest pieces I've ever written because I didn't really know what to say 
Uh, I was on route to Wembley to watch that dreadful draw with Hungary. In fact, my two last games have been England won Hungary one and North End nil Derby nil. Might as well stop going on football matches. It's absolutely <laughs> appalling. Um, but no, uh, I was on, on route down to Wembley trying to come up with something. Um, and it was really difficult. And I think a lot of people have been surprised at just how sort of uh, emotional it was, really, because obviously we've all been sort of frustrated at times that, come on, we just need one more addition. Come on, just put £10 million in to get a striker. But really, uh, now he's gone. I just think it was like a moment for people just to sort of reflect and realise just what a wonderful man he was and what a wonderful impact he had on our club. So, yeah, uh, it'll be massively missed. Uh, not just here, but uh, obviously in racing as well, where he's had some special days and uh, he's been a really good friend to racing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I suppose heartfelt condolences to the Hems family. I know there's, it's not just his wife, it's his kids, his grandkids that have, have lost someone that's massive to them as a family, which is first and foremost, you know, that's where I'd want to start. But I think the biggest thing, not just what he's done for the football club, but that I suppose the one thing that's affected, not affected me, but I, it's struck a chord with me more than anything is the, I suppose, the philanthropy that he's put into the local communities and not just over in the Isle of Man, but also in the communities of Preston as well. I think that's, in the, in the days since he's passed, I think that's the thing that's come out more than anything. Donations that he made to various projects and communities. And that's got to be um, for what he's done, not just on a footballing basis in the, in the city but different projects and charities obviously did a lot of work with um carers trust um which i know he was a huge part of so uh, i mean i think most north end fans have probably been a little bit critical of the ownership over the past 10 11 years but in the day he's put in best part of 120 million pound into the football club which i'm pretty sure no one else would have done and i think going to be an interesting few years you know what's coming up now and we, we're just waiting to see where the path goes but yeah absolutely heartfelt condolences and um i hope it you know if anyone's listening from the family then you know our thoughts are with you at this moment in time yeah i, I echo that my um, something that i should have said at the start of my bit to be fair but yeah my my thoughts and condolences are with with everyone in in the hemmings family and connected to the hemmings family uh, i know i've spoken to uh, as I'm sure many other people have, Trevor's grandson, Dominic. And he's put out quite a few things in the last few days about how just how much of a, a, a great person his granddad was. Um, so, yeah, I, I echo that, Jim. I think what Peter Ridsdale said last year has maybe sort of come true in sort of saying that maybe Trevor will only truly be appreciated when he's not here. And I think we've maybe seen that over the last week. And I'm, I've been critical of the ownership, and I'm sure... The other three of you here have as well at certain points over the last decade or so. But... I would I would hazard a guess and say that the vast majority of North End yeah. fans have at some point or another. Yeah, but I do, I do think over the last week, sort of seeing the appreciation for him was uh, it was good to see because I do think it maybe gets lost sometimes in sort of wanting more. I guess that's always what it is, isn't it? When you, whether you want more, more strikers, more signings, more money, whatever it may be. But I think it has been a good time to sort of appreciate what we've had with Trevor as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and like Jimmy said, it's going to be an interesting few months, I think, initially. And then the the path over the next two, three, four seasons and years uh, and where we end up as a club um, is certainly oh. going to be... It's going to be a ride, I think, is probably a, a good way of putting it. I think we... Um... I reckon those new owners at Newcastle United must be kicking themselves now because if they just hung on one more week, they could have they could have come and swooped in at Deepdale and, and taken over us and taken us from this sort of turgid, rubbish to watch championship team to like a real world soft power. Would you want that with with everything that comes with being owned by a, basically being owned by Saudi Arabia? Under no circumstances would I ever want that, and no. I was repulsed by the reaction at at uh, St James's Park but such is life nowadays in sport that that sort of gets lost doesn't it yeah exactly exactly money um, money buys morals unfortunately so or, or not in the case of Saudi Arabia well they've, they've bought the morals of 55,000 Geordies so true true so a couple of them even took it upon themselves to even dress up as them wanted to be them just idiots they're absolute idiots. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't get my head around that watching the game yesterday. Yeah, but have you ever been to Newcastle, Jake? Once for a, for a play, and I won't be rushing. Come back. on, that, that was in school. Like, by my the way, I'm not, I'm not the kind of. Say again. Have you not seen that video that's been circulating at weekend? Like Jordy getting his microwave signed by Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, I saw that. What? <laughs> I didn't Mate, see that. That is Jordy's for you. You know, Jesus. he couldn't find a piece of paper, so he took his mind. <laughs> I'm by you, Bank. Ridiculous. Yeah, while while Jimmy's uh, sorting out his internet, we'll we'll make a start on the rest of the pod. Derby County at home was a game that certainly won't live <laughs> in the memory very long for many reasons I think other than the exceptional tribute that was paid to Trevor Hemmings because outside of that there wasn't really much to take from the game other than we weren't very good I think it'll go down amongst supporters of a benchmark of just how poor it can get I think yeah especially the first half it was about as bad as I've seen it now to be honest um, yeah just looked- I, I'm struggling to think of many many halves of football that were as bad as that. No. I mean, I'm sure there were probably a few that have uh, banished to the memory bank when West well, yeah, was in you, charge. Yeah. And like obviously you sort of cash your mind back to Blackburn at home yeah. in the COVID times and stuff. But like in terms of in terms of the game, we we look like a team who who had just been chucked together off like more part. We've picked like eleven lads who look look to be in shape. And just said, uh, go and try and play against Derby County for uh, for ninety minutes. We looked like a team with no identity or anything. We we just looked like it was a really poor, turgid first half. And that sort of continued into the second half as well. Until uh, as Tom Barkhazen alluded to in his press conference, um, they started to tire, and then we started to get back into the game. But no, oh, it was absolutely appalling. Yeah, I think I'm it was sure, a mixture yeah. of, of them tiring and us bringing the likes of Josh Murphy and Scott Sinclair off yeah. the bench. Yeah, uh, he made a great impact, Scott Sinclair, didn't he? Yeah. Like just uh, He sort of got the press back running, but uh, I'm sure Jimmy uh, will be able to offer some stats on the game, but um, 
from just the naked eye, it was absolutely appalling. To be fair, Sal, because I only watched about 15 minutes of the first half and switched it off, and about 15 minutes towards the end of the second half, and again switched it off because it was that shit. I've got the basic stats of the game, but I just as soon as I saw that Tom Barcusen was playing the right side of a diamond field, I thought, what are you doing? That is just, that's you know leaving Emil Rees that isolated up front on his own in a game that you have to win. Well, to be honest, the first twenty-five minutes no. it looked like he was trying to play two up top, um, and those twenty-five minutes were the worst twenty-five minutes of the game. Uh, and then Barky sort of dropped into the like you said there the on the right side of a diamond, mm. and it was slightly better, but we're still getting uh, massively. Um, well, it was it was the same, wasn't it, as as what he's done recently the the three in midfield and the yeah, two up top. But he was, run, but he was playing two tens. He was playing Alan Brown and Daniel Johnson as two tens, and and Leto yeah. was the single holder. And I mean, Leto, I don't think, has had a bad a bad game as that in a long time. And just from 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 the word go, it was just completely wrong. I just think tactically it was poor. It was just really poor. Yeah. And, you know, watching the highlights back, I'm like, come on. But, you know, you've got to give Derby a bit of credit. To be fair to them, you know, for 70 minutes, by all accounts, they were the better team. And, you know, I think Tom's at the nail on the head today, you know, they look like Barcelona. You know, and then they look like a League 2 side for the last 20 minutes and you should, you've got to be taking your chances. You know, the, Emil's got a score for me. Didn't have a chance for Scott Sinclair. It's a big, big opportunity. You know, for us to create, what was it, 1.3 XG and not score a goal and not even look like scoring a goal, it was quite worrying for me. I'm guessing with Curtis Davis and Jagielka at the back, like Frankie maybe thought that the pace of Reese and Barcazen could could get at him, but we were turning the ball over so easily in the first half because we were just always looking direct and sort of trying to get in behind, but it just didn't work at all. It was coming back at us all the time. Yeah, so if I had to Jagielka and Davis, you can sort of fall into a trap of thinking, well, these two are old, these two are slow, let's try and get in the back, uh, get in behind them. To be fair, they just sort of, they bossed the game, didn't they? They had the game at their own pace. Um, it was just two experienced defenders at this level, sort of having a field day, essentially. <laughs> Until, like we like, like we alluded, like we alluded to, they got tired and uh, and ultimately we, we can be left sort of... Um, Disappointed that we didn't get three points because, yeah, like Jimmy said, Christ, you'd, you'd expect Reese to score that. I think that you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, you know, that the two experienced players and, you know, you can have a lack of pace, but the, the experience showed, didn't it? And like you say, Sal, they just controlled the game from start to finish and I'd say probably forced us to play the game at their way and, and, and the way that it suited them. And, it was the result of that was a very very poor ninety minutes with an extremely poor forty five minutes. But I think something that I just couldn't get my head round was Frankie coming out in the press afterwards and saying that, admitting that it was probably the worst that we've been, and then that it, he was going to leave the same players on instead of making changes at half time because it was up to them to go out and put in an improved performance. Mm, I've done that before. I've done that before as manager. We've we played shit in the first half. No disrespect, half, you say, right? but you, you coach amateur footballers, not professionals. Yeah, I know. I know. You've not got you... crowds of 20,000 people sat in a stadium. 
<clears throat> but you can say to him, you've not, you know, you can't get any worse. You know, I can only see an improvement in the second half, you know, because they, it's as simple as that, really. It's like, you're letting me down here. You know, and to be fair, I get him not making any change at half time in a way, but at least, at least sort the shape out. I think it was the right personnel, you know, looking at the team before the game. No one had a, no one had a complaint about the team. You know, no one was fussed about, you know, the side that he put out. It was, a, it was the tactic and the formation and the shape that was the problem, not the personnel. You know, you can't, I, I just, I, I really struggled to, when I was watching it, I struggled to understand the logic and playing Reese up to the top of his own. Then this diamond in the field that we've played this diamond before and it doesn't work. It does not work, this diamond. And you can't play Barkis the right-hand side of it. We not remember one of his first games in charge. I think it might have been the first game in charge against Norwich last season. Mm-hmm. Played Bark in the right in that right centre midfield role then. Like let him drift out wide and then get back into a shape and get a real narrow shape. And because he's playing five at the back, he can allow the wing backs to be one v one with their full backs. You know, it just made no sense. And that was the thing that really worried me. It's worried me for a while about Frankie, but like watching it on Saturday, and you guys were at the game, so you could place it better than me, but it just felt like there was no flow, no shape, no oh. rhythm. And that's worrying. We're in Derby week, for fuck's sake. The only time I remember us playing a diamond was away at Barnsley under Alex Neal, and we absolutely tranced him, but that was a 4-4-2 with a diamond midfield. We've, we've done it three or four times under Frankie. It's, it's not... No, no, that's what I'm saying. The only time I can remember it and it's worked is, is that one under, under Alex Neal. Much more than that, though, really. You know, when you've got players that can actually play that system, then it might work. I used to be playing the 10 that night. It was like Alan Brown. What, you know, what Alan Brown's all right. You completely, you completely went again. The, the Barnsley game. The Barnsley game. Uh, I think Harrop played as a 10 in that Barnsley game off the top of my head. And you not have Sinclair and Barkey as wide forwards, I think. Yeah. It was liquid yeah. football that night. That was like watching Brazil that first 45 minutes. So think this is the lineup that night. You know, the, the midfield forward, Brown, Pearson, Harrop and DJ, Barkey and Sinclair up front as the wide forwards, Fisher, Bauer, Davis and Rafferty as your back four. Like straight away, you you well, know, you look at the players that we've lost. Even that, even that. More. Say again, Jim. Different different game. It's a different game now. Mm. You know, losing that you can't lose that sort of quality and then think, Oh yeah, it's absolutely fine. In in terms of the rest of the season and, and where we go off the back of that first 45 minutes in particular but obviously Frankie set up with the the three at the back two wing backs where, where do you where do you go now if you're Frankie McAvoy do you look to change formation to something that he's openly said that we can't play or do you stick with it and things don't pick up and you 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 run the risk of losing your job I'd stick with it until after Blackpool I'd love us to go with a <laughs> Five at the black at Blackpool, stink the place out, nil nil, <laughs> get out of there, uh, uh, and then we can reevaluate after that. If we if we start experimenting for that Blackpool game and it goes horribly wrong, I, I, wow, you can't you can't put anything into words. E- equally though, could you not say that we've played the same way all season? It's not worked. Blackpool have got loads of video to look at to come up with a way to play against the system and then if he doesn't change the system people are going why has he not changed the system why has he not done this why has he not done that I suppose it's a bit of a double-edged sword isn't it he can't really if we lose the game he probably can't win either way 
Yeah. No, it's a fair point because um, because ultimately, you know, there's loads of footies there and, and we'll get worked out. We'll get, we'll get worked out sooner rather than later. But one of the positives, if you can take them, uh, is that we haven't actually lost that many games. All right, we're not winning them and it, it's awful to watch, but we're not losing. So, I don't know. It's one of them. It's, it's just a weird spot with the defence, I think, isn't it? Because Hughes, you don't really know if he's a centre-back in a four. Because I think he played there against Rovers at home in the 3-2 win. And it didn't look great in that first half. Then you've got Earl, who, good as a left wing-back, can he play as a left-back in a four? Reese, can he play up front on his own? You've got all these sort of things where three-five-two does kind of suit the personnel, but it's still not really... It's not getting results at the moment. The players that have been recruited are recruited for a five-three-two shape. Let's <clears> be honest. You know, I think what was the quote when Liam Lindsay signed? Like, you can't play in a two or something stupid like that. I don't know if it was when Liam Lindsay signed or if it was a, a, a presser early on in the season, but he definitely came out and said something along the lines of we don't have the players to play in, in a... Along those lines. Yeah. Which, you know, because at the end of the day, we can't just stick with this this five three two shape, you know, or five two one two if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it, because it isn't gonna get us the results over the course of forty six games in my opinion. You know, our run rate at the minute means we're gonna come out with forty six points as it stands, you know, if we don't start converting these draws into wins. Forty six points won't keep us in the league. And that's if we don't start not to, well that's if we start losing games you know there's nothing to say that we, some of these draws because again we'll come on to it in a bit but Barky I think quite rightly said that some of the draws could have quite easily lost the games um, you know it, it it can quite easily go that way and, and we don't end up with 46 points and we end up in League One not think, it's, it's, it's not worth thinking about you know I can say like it's been you know one defeat in seven but it's also no wins in seven. You know, the, well, this spin about it being okay, and like, you know, the house is on fire, but we're, we're all right. It's just you now I've got to start winning games. <laughs> Your favourite gif. Listen, that gif is going to get absolutely hammered this past next seven days unless we start turn this form around. Like you say about how the players have been recruited for the three-five-two, but then on deadline day they brought in Murphy, who was a pure winger, and now apparently he's not good enough off the ball to be playing. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. At all, that was really weird. That comment when I read it, I like eh. So because we, we, on deadline day, did not come forward. Did not come out that it was you can play as a two in a two. I think they'd mentioned that at Cardiff he'd played up front of those lines originally, but yeah, because not play with wingers. It's like you can't play wing back because we've got if you look at our right side, you've got four, five right backs on a Sunday. Barkey, Sep. Rafferty you know I, I just don't understand the point in, in signing Murphy unless you're going to play him up front and then the comments that came out after the game on Saturday I was just I was staggered out to be honest well really it was a really bizarre deadline day anyway wasn't it really because we we brought in two players in Murphy uh, like we spoke about we don't play wingers and we brought in McCann who, who looked a good player but ultimately were absolutely overloading midfielders so it was a, a real bizarre deadline day anyway so I think yeah. the the McCann one is one that I can understand, um, but the 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 further into the season we get now, the more I just don't look at the Murphy signing and and 
uh, I'm no closer to getting it. <laughs> he, he was available. Is, that's pretty much what it seems like, doesn't it? It kind of does. And I praised it at the time because I do think that, you know, he, he is a proven championship player and he, he can offer something, but it's more that I don't understand where he fits if we keep the 3 5 team. Because <clears throat> they they seemingly went after Ojo as well from Liverpool on deadline day, and he is he's another winger, and has never played as a striker. So I don't I don't understand. On on the day, I remember thinking to myself, like, could this be us signalling a change from the the formation that we've been playing up to that point in the season? But obviously, it's not proven to be the case. And you know, you've got. A, a very good championship player sat on the bench in Josh Murphy who can't get a look in and has probably got he's probably wondering why he came here. Yeah, the bottom line is is that he he's looked at us and thought that it's a decent opportunity to sort of revitalise his championship career, but he's not really gonna do that in in a three five two that we play. Like he's not got the tools to be able to do it ultimately. That's just a couple of facts. Uh, unless we try him in a two up front or uh, unless we change, it's just going to be one of those nothing loan signings. But to me, it just looks like the supporters demanded transfers on deadline day. And they've gone out and, and just got just whoever they can. For a player's sake, ultimately. I think. Well, didn't Frankie come out and say like he knew about Josh because he worked him at Norwich? That was one of the principal factors in signing because he's become, become available. You know, we need another forward because Chad was injured, etc. You know, but look at the options in our forward line. You know, Chad's obviously injured. It sounds like it's quite a serious injury. So he's going to be out for a few months or weeks even. Sean, obviously injured at the minute. Sean Maguire. Emil's obviously playing all right, but, you know, he's getting to opportunities. Scott Sinclair reappeared on Saturday. And that's it. Conor Wickham's done pretty much for the season or done for foreseeable future. So it's, it's tough, really. Like, you know, we probably did need an extra option up there, but... You know, it depends on what option. Well, you look at our, what, how many games have we played this season? I can't remember off the top of my head. 13, 14? Oh, 13. Um, um, however many it is, you look, you look at those games and how many of those games has someone started who wasn't here last season? Could have come a cab at QPR. Ali McCann, that's the one. Oh, my God, that is, that's right, isn't it? He's the only one. That's, and it was one game, and then he got injured. That's not so you, you look at you look at the recruitment strategy there. What what are we trying to achieve? Because we, I, I put it down to the new manager bounce, the the way that we ended last season, and probably the way that things felt completely different under Frankie than the intensity that was demanded under Alex Neal, but. Our recruitment strategy in the summer was to bring in two players that are perennially injured as cheap punts that haven't worked out. We've brought back in loan players that we had on loan, which are very good. Not not slating that, not knocking that. Um, you know, Tom Barkays, and again, we'll come on to it in a bit, has come out and called Dan Iverson one of the best keepers in the league. Other than that, the other new signing is injured, can't get in after his one start, and the other signing is constantly on the bench. So what what's changed other than just more money going out of the club on people that can't play? 
think it answers your own question now, Jake. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, the thing quite, that... It's quite damning, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's concerning. It's concerning more than anything, isn't it, really? Yeah. But I don't think... You know, I think the strategy from a transfer perspective is going to take you know, months, if not years, to come to fruition in terms of the long-term piece. It's not going to be instantly fixed overnight. You know, since Joe Savage left, obviously, you know, we don't have a head of recruitment. You know, obviously, James Beat got brought in as a recruitment analyst, but his work isn't going to be... Isn't You're not going to see his work in a matter of weeks. It just doesn't happen. I think... <laughs> I just don't have any words. The thing is, it's not a surprise to anyone, is it? Because we've known about this for ages. Mm. Like we've known we sort of lack the ability to create chances, and we don't necessarily ever strike us put them in the net. And it's been the case for ages. They're like it's like the defence, although it's pretty underwhelming on paper, isn't that bad? It's just I don't know. I just I just don't think we're any good. Me and you came off Jimmy uh, against um, who was it? Um, at home recently and we just agreed that we're not very good we're just not good enough I think we're, we're Stoke think, yeah Stoke game yeah I would say we're probably just about good enough to stay in the league this season but just about yeah well I came off at the weekend and there were a couple of lads who hadn't been on uh, but they went on obviously because of the offer and uh, and to pay the respects to Trevor Hemmings uh, and they said that uh, if they got offered 20th or 21st place they'd take it right now uh, and I couldn't disagree with him, to be honest. I think 95% of fans would, in terms of achievements yeah. or lack of this season, um, let's talk about the uh, the bombshell interview from uh, Tom Barkazin this afternoon. Well, this morning, wasn't it? It was at the morning press. And, yeah, I think on the one hand, it's probably not come as a surprise to a lot of people that Barkey's come out and been so open because he's known for being a very honest person. But on the other hand, perhaps it it's come as a surprise that he's been as open as he has. Yeah, don't hold back next time, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair play to him. Better than coming out being like, well, we'll, we'll bounce back in midweek or we'll, we'll work harder in training or, you know, the usual stuff that gets thrown out. And I suppose it could go one of two ways. Like, it, ahead of Blackpool, it could really sort of galvanise people, or because I thought some of the comments didn't. I don't think it was intentionally like anti Frankie, but I thought some of it didn't paint him in a great light. Yeah, he's slightly undermined the manager <laughs> in a few of his comments. As now, let's be honest, it's um, I don't think intentionally like say oh, but yeah, I'm a bit. I, I, it was sensational, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like, wow. You know, 2021, a player's come out and been that brutally honest. So I was like, this is unheard of, really. And, you know, fair play to him for his, I suppose, brutal honesty about his dog and, like, his form in general. He's yeah, come out, hasn't yeah, he, and said, you know, we need to start dominating games more because if we don't, as bad as it sounds, we'll be in big trouble. And he's not wrong. Um it's all well and good, as we said half an hour ago, 30 minutes, uh, 40 minutes ago, whatever it was. It's all well and good coming out saying, well, we've only lost one in nine or two in nine, whatever it is. Um, but 
they're, they're games that, even though we've drawn, we've got a point from them. Many of them we were lucky to, but there's not there's not been anything in the performances that have made you go, you know what, there's something to build on there. Yeah, what I took out of it was two things, really. The first thing was how refreshing it was uh, to see a player speak with such clarity and honesty. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, and if I was a neutral, I'd be waxing lyrical over that. <laughs> it's really hard because Jimmy mentioned before that, that he might have undermined the manager. But uh, he actually made a point uh, during the press conference, because uh, I had the pleasure of listening to it, was that he didn't want to undermine the manager. So he wanted to make that clear. He wasn't undermining the manager. Um, uh, and he made that point where uh, he spoke about how he'd rather play like a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2 because that would bring the best out of him. So he was speaking from a purely selfish perspective on the matter. Uh, but it's really hard to to read his quotes and listen to his quotes and not feel like he somehow feels a little bit like stitched up with what's going on at the club at the moment. That all of a sudden, like he's playing under Alex Neal, who, who's got a promotion out of this division and it's really intense and like everyone really cares and we're like challenging towards the top of the league. What I got from it, which was the second point, was that it was concerning to listen to how a senior player can be bored uh, of playing in a, a team that's sort of floundering towards the bottom of the league. What what I got from it was was that um, he doesn't know whether he wants to stay. He doesn't know the, whether the club want him to stay, which is concerned in itself because he doesn't think a genius to realise that Tom Marquez is one of our best players. Yeah, I'm with you on yeah. that, Sal. I think I, I've listened to it as well and... Um, listening to it, you can say it certainly comes across anyway that you know he said it's not all about money, it's not all about agreeing on a figure. He's got to decide for himself does he want to stay here? Is it somewhere that he feels that he can be challenged? And you've got to look at the way things are going at the minute, and you don't think that someone like Tom Barkhazen feels that they're going to be challenged at the club no. at the minute. I mean, if you look at um. If you look at it, he's most likely just entering sort of primary career now. He ought to be within the primary career. Is he wanting to be playing under McAvoy at Preston North End when we're towards the bottom of the championship, when he's just played in a couple of years where where we've been towards the higher echelons of the league? If I mark it, I'm thinking, you know what, you're not no matter what you offer me, like I'm getting out of here. He feels underappreciated by the fans. He's not been offered a contract yet. Um now he's under McAvoy in a in a team that's struggling. Mm-hmm. Christ, you couldn't blame him if he goes. No, you couldn't at all. And it's it's been it's been largely received very well from what I've seen on social media. But there has been a few people that have found something to criticise and found something to have a bit of a whinge about. And I just don't. Again, I don't know maybe because me and you have listened to it, Sal. That. It, it comes across as you can understand where he's coming from when he's saying things. I don't know if maybe that makes more absolutely. of a difference, but absolutely, yeah. I don't see where where there's something to moan about about the interview. He's been frank, he's been open, he's been honest. Um, but what what I wasn't keen on personally myself was you know we're a championship football club and you've got one of your more experienced players coming out 
defending the manager and basically saying that he's learning on the job. Yeah, that's all I'm in that comment, weren't it? That was dab up, really. Yeah, we can't, end of the day, like, <laughs> and we've said it a few times on here, you know, frankly, he's got to learn quite quickly, but he's been around professional football for long enough. I know he's never had the title of a head coach and been like the top dog before, but Christ, you know, some of his tactical flaws, uh, you know, it's schoolboy stuff, and it's like, that's got to improve quickly because otherwise, you know, we are going to be in a dogfight. I think Tom said pretty much that in the interview today. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be improved. And it's um, and right across the board as well. It's not just from, I suppose, the coaching perspective. The players have got to take a bit of responsibility for it as well because, you know, we've got to be all in it together. But if you send them out, you know, if you send them onto the pitch with not the right tactic and not the right tools to do the job, they're not going to be able to perform, are they? So, yeah, collective responsibility. I thought about this before, though, because I, I didn't go on Saturday for certain reasons but um i watched the game back on iFollow before and i was thinking about it because i read the comment about how frankie's sort of learning on the job and he's a first-time manager i thought well rooney's only been in the derby job a few months longer and they had a very noticeable sort of pattern of play style of play how they wanted to approach the game and he sort of had more to deal with in terms of embargo players obviously worried about wages and all the issues at Derby and has had less time in coaching as well. So I, I just don't know if I'm having it that we're sort of learning on the job and stuff because there are other managers in a similar sort of time frame who have more of a sort of identity than we have at the moment. The other thing as well, you say it's a collective issue, but like you say, Jim, if the players are being sent out with a specific set of instructions to play a certain way, then how how would the manager feel if even though if we pick up results if the players come off the pitch and have gone against every instruction that he's given them and played their own way it doesn't really in my opinion anyway it doesn't bode for a good atmosphere around the dressing room and the training ground what what i took from it was that he actually got asked the question what's it like to play under mcavoy uh, and he just said like he's a great people person he's great to have around the dressing room it's great that the team are together like he didn't mention like any tactics at all he then went on to mention that obviously he's learning on the job the next thing to mention as a group of supporters is why are we allowing our club in the championship to learn on the job like what what is going on why are we learning on the job <clears> in the championship <throat> it's not as if this is like, like amateur football that Jimmy's involved in the fans team. This is Preston North in the championship. Why are we allowing this to go on? No, no, other, no other club, championship, league one, league two, would do that. Yeah, no I won't one. lose £5 million in TV money myself if I get relegated. <laughs> Simple as that, isn't it, really? You know what well, I mean? yeah. But it, it's like you said, though, it's just, oh, I just find it. I, you know, his comments today didn't surprise me on that, though, because he's meant to be nice, he's meant to be good, decent on training ground, Men have settled the place down, you know, allowed a little bit more freedom. You know, it's not as disciplined and rigid as it was under Alex Neal, where it was quite a, a disciplined environment. You yeah, know, Jimmy, to to- Steve, Steve Cowell could have got those players back to, back back together and, and, and loving life on training field again, could he? So yeah, I yeah. could do, you could do. Yeah, but but it's ultimately you've got you've got to stop with that and you've got to think, right, what what's the best to get 
results in the championship. And I mean, it's all well and good enjoying going to work every day, but it can't be that enjoyable if you're drawing every week and playing a gash brand of football. And the other thing I'd say about the past week is the players only came back on Monday. They had quite a bit of time off, didn't they? You know, a few of them went abroad last week. You know, so they've been able to let the air down a little bit, have a chill out, and put in that performance on Saturday. I'm like, really? Um, but the other thing about Derby, I know you mentioned them before, but like, look at their backroom staff. You know, Liam, is it Rossinia? Rossinia is a pretty good Rossinia, coach. Yeah. really good coach, because he's maybe the brains behind the operation, isn't he? Yeah. And then he's you've got, a, obviously, Steve McLaren. He's a of the game, isn't he? Yeah, Steve McLaren were there until recently. I don't know if he's... Hey. Took- is Shay Given not goalkeeper coach there or what? Yeah. Like so he's got like a backroom <clears throat> staff full of experience. Wasn't um who was the striker that used to be a coach there? Oh god, I can see him. Like Kevin Phillips. He was he was like a forwards coach there. So like really surrounded by experience and players that have been there, done it, or coaches that have you know got loads of experience. You know. I just don't, you know, Gally's been obviously a student of the game and that, and, you know, he'd be a future manager, but Tomo's been there since, what, 2015. Yeah. It's like, come on, we need, you know, you've, you've just got to get a bit of a support. I, I just think if, if if Frankie's the man, which I don't think he is, then he needs a, a bit more experience around him. But, like, if they do part company with him in coming days, weeks, months, whatever it's going to be, then... I just feel we need a fresh pair of eyes in the business. You know, sorry, football club, not business. And um, you just need you, because you need to, you need a fresh pair of a different view on things, don't you? You can't just like, yeah. have like the same people doing the same thing. You know, different might be different sessions, but Christ, you only have to go on YouTube for a couple of hours. You know, to pull up a new coaching session. You know, based on what you want, it doesn't take much. So there's plenty of you know. I use a couple of different apps. You know, for, for my coaching sessions, it's like it's not difficult. You know, to, to come up with new ideas, especially when you've got a license and pro license coaches in the building, you know, and in the academy. So, yeah, I, I just I think Barky's interview today has just probably got opened a massive can of worms for a lot of things, and it's going to ask a lot of questions of people at the club over the coming days. And great, yeah, people need challenging on things, and, and I think that's fine. But I, I suppose for a player to come out and say what it has today is um, great from a from a fan's perspective because it gives us some brutal honesty, but yeah. Outside of that, it's... Uh... If you're the manager listening to that... You're not very pleased, are you? Well, well no. I can't imagine a world in which you, you <laughs> sort of uh, admired him for being honest and... No. <clears throat> <laughs> um... If you're McAvoy, you're pissed off for that for me. The other thing I'd say on first-time managers and stuff is that personally, I'm not I'm not against it. There are a few that I was sort of thinking about when Alex Neal left, like coaches from the Premier League that could come in because I hate using them as an example. But Blackpool, Critchley had never managed at senior level before and came in and got a move in pretty quickly with a sort of an idea of how to play. So there, there are sort of examples of it, but... It just doesn't seem like that's happening with us. So I don't, I don't really know what we're trying to do on the pitch. Alex Neil did it when he came in. Well, I mean, came, every, in, came in with a style and a pattern of play and, and a way that he wanted to play. And while it took probably a few months for some players to get to grips with it, that first season under Alex was the best we've had in since we were last in the playoffs at this level. 
Yeah, I'm I'm sure people are sick of hearing us talk about Alex Neal, really. But it's an, it is a case of that everybody has to start somewhere. Because I'm sure there were Hamilton fans when he got the job at however old he was, because he was only 30 or something, if that. And that was probably seen as a risk as well for Hamilton fans at the time. But And us with David Moyes back in the day. Some boys and Davis. Yeah, some, you've got to start somewhere. But I think you, you've got to show the ideas, the pattern of play, what you're trying to do. And I just don't, I, I'm not seeing it at the moment, personally speaking. No, I'm with you on that. And I think we'll, we'll come back in part two. I've got a question for you all. So we'll, uh, we'll stick a pin in it there for now. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, I've got a question for the lads to start with, and then we'll preview the two upcoming games, In one of which is obviously the game, but yeah, it's going to be a very big week for the club. However, boys, um, at what point is enough enough for you? I mean, there's at the minute, there seems to be, again, taking perhaps taking things out of context from Barky's interview, that there seems to be a lack of buy-in from players or some players. It it isn't great at the minute. So at what point for you is enough enough? If we don't win on Wednesday and then get beat by Blackpool, I'd say that's me out personally. I think if they beat Coventry and then get beat at Blackpool, I think he'll I think I don't think they'll make a change. I think I think they'd have to not win on Wednesday and then get beat at, at Blackpool. I think Blackpool would be the best time to do it, wouldn't it? Because there's no excuses losing there. I I personally would have done it at the end of the day, but obviously with with the mitigating circumstances of obviously the owner dying and stuff, you can understand why. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's Blackpool, isn't it? You know, if you beat Blackpool, then it it buys you another month. Um, but uh, if not, then a change is needed. Is there not an argument to be made that that is just delaying the inevitable, though? Pretty much. And I, I, I'm also not sure they would go into the Liverpool game without a manager. Because that's only a few days after Blackpool, isn't it? Could you imagine, though? Galleon temporary charge, 4-4-2. The bounce factor into the next round of the cup. All of a sudden, you've got a cup run. Oh. Jimmy well, he's gonna go, just keep going with like getting rid of a manager then the caretaker does well for a few games then he gets the job we'll just keep, just keep doing that now I wonder what Jimmy thinks yeah I was going to say I, I'm, I'm, I'm I've got a child that's trying to trampoline around the bedroom but we'll start we'll start getting to the Watford the Pozzo family tree won't we if we start sacking managers every five games yeah I, I, I generally think he's safe Unless it's the man of the performances more than anything um, that's going to matter. I have to re-record this in a minute. No, it's fine, mate. It's fine. Yeah, it's the man of the performances more than anything that's going to determine whether he keeps his job. 
I think, yeah, I think for me, if if the performances don't improve, it doesn't look like there's any sign that they're going to improve, then it's going to be the damning thing for him, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, I sort of get the impression we're all pussyfooting around the subject and we'd have all done it by now. But, yeah, you're right about the manner in which we play. I mean, uh, if we look like we, we're sort of causing a threat and, and scoring goals, then you can live with that more. Like you can live with drawing 2-2 more than drawing 0-0. So. I think as well, at, at what point do you look at where we're at now and say we're giving more oh. time to turn it around or do you look at it and go, this is the time to make a change, to bring someone in who will have enough time to turn it around, if that makes sense? Yeah, you don't want to leave it too late, do you? Like, is, is January too late? I'd, you'd, ideally, if you're going to make a change, I think you'd want them in before January because I don't think you want to go through a whole January window then come mid-February getting somebody in. I'd rather not go down that road personally. but Also, though, if you get rid of him now, then it just makes the whole appointment look a complete farce, doesn't it? Like it, like it just looks a shocker. Uh, appointment, like, like a real bad decision by Rusdale and go, which puts pressure on them, doesn't it? Is, is there any way that they can come out of it without it looking like that at this point, though? I don't think there is, is there really? No. No, I, yeah, I think this is why I, don't, I think he's still got time. This, if, unless the man of the performances are, are really poor in the next two games, because I think they'll give him time to try and turn it around. And if he doesn't, it's probably going to be December by the time we make a change. And by that point, it might be too late. Hope it's not. I hope he manages to turn the form around. But it's just going to be really difficult. The, these next few games are really difficult. You know, look at the next five on paper. You know, Coventry are flying. You know, this really tough game on Wednesday night. And then Blackpool, it's a derby game. It could be anything. I think it's going to be a nil-nil person. I think it'd be a bit of a damp squib. But, you know, then you've got like Bournemouth coming up away from home on a Wednesday night. That's just minging. So there's tough games like coming thick and fast in this league, but that's the championship in it, really. But, you know, I just don't think they're going to make a, a snap decision in terms of potting him. I, I genuinely don't. I just think he's got I think he's got a bit of time. No, I'm with you, Jim. I think if, if this week is a disaster in terms of results and performances, then <clears throat> there's there's a possibility. But other than that, I think, like you say, maybe back end of November, start of December, something like that. Yeah. It forces the band if it's two poor poor results and poor performances, I think. You know, especially after the comments by Barkey and stuff like that, you know, all of a sudden things start turning against them. And, um, you know, especially if the, you know, the, the Hemings family are there again on Wednesday and it's a poor again. And it's like, well, hold on, something's not right here. So you've just got to wait and see what, because their viewpoint on things might be completely different to what Trevor's was. You know, we just don't um, know the rates. Make no bones about it. Losing five million quid a season if we were to get relegated is is a disaster. Uh, December has historically been a bit of a sweet spot, I think, hasn't it? Because we're not three in a row, Irving, Ferguson and Brown. I think they all went yeah. in December. So yeah, may, maybe you're right. Maybe the the give a chance to turn it around and I hate I hate sort of calling for people to lose the job because I'd I'd hate hearing people talk about me losing mine but of course but we're, we're all fans talk, of the football club about, at the end of the day you've got to talk we? about the results you can't sugarcoat it mm. you know that's <laughs> what we're here for we're not yeah we're not rose-tinted club media that are gonna gloss over things like that and 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 not discuss them because 
<laughs> what would be the point? Yeah. We, we could all save an hour and a half of our <laughs> time. It it bothers me that we, we've been above Blackpool, at least the league above them, for six years before the start of the season. But we go into this meeting this weekend, we're the underdogs. Even if you look at the betting, Blackpool are favourites to win that game. And how has it, how has it got to this point? We've, we've had a head start, if you think of it that way, and yet we go into this game with them. And how many people expect us to win? I know I don't. Well, I said at the start of the season, I got a lot of shit for it, specifically off Jimmy, but uh, I said at the start of the season that I didn't think we'd win a derby game this season. And I don't know if I said it or not, but that was with the caveat of while Frankie's in charge, you know, like you say, Ollie, I don't, I don't want people to lose their jobs. It's not a nice conversation to be having, um, knowing that there's a chance that he or someone at the club might be listening to this, probably will be listening to this. But, you know, <clears throat> it, it's a discussion that needs to be had. Yeah, it's no malicious intent. It's just that we've all been Preston fans for... Our lives. God knows how long. Yeah, like 20 odd, 20 odd years. Yeah, These as long days. as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think we'll... We've we've said what we need to say there, haven't we? It's made up the bulk of this episode, to be honest. But let's talk about Wednesday night. Uh, obviously, Coventry come to Deepdale, and can't say I'm feeling much about the game, to be quite honest. No, they deserve a lot of credit, don't they? Uh, they come into the league and um, a breath a breath of fresh air, you'd have to say, wouldn't you? They've um, had some. Exceptional results. Mostly, you'd have to say at home, and they've been a real force at home. They've flattened a little bit to deceive away from home. Uh, when you look at the home form, like they got hammered at Luton, didn't they? Uh, but to be fair, came back and beat Fulham at their own uh, in their own backyard. Like to keep the ball, look a decent side. Uh, to be honest, so it won't be an easy game by any stretch. Um, but it's one of them that, like, in sort of. Pff- Previous years, you know, looked at it, Deepdale under the lights, uh, promoted team coming to Deepdale, you'd have you'd have really been up for it and expected us to win, but you're sort of going into it thinking, I don't know, you're sort of going in metaphorically and like taking taking cover because you're thinking, you're, you're the last team we want coming to our place, really. You know, yeah. you've had some great results, you're not scared of anyone, you know, you're beating top at league. Couple of weeks ago, you're two 0 down at Blackburn, or a decent side. You come back from two 0 down and drawn two two. Uh, I know we've spoken about it on this podcast in the past, and um, Jimmy's been a massive advocate of it. But they're taking that momentum, aren't they, from, uh, <laughs> from Saturday? Such nonsense that, but um, but no, they're taking that confidence, aren't they, from being two 0 down, two two. Um, and the look at us and look at us really is like a weekend pray that they can, you know, uh, get funny stuck you should, Funny you should say that because that, that was what I was thinking earlier on when I was doing my prep for this was that I think that might be the only chance we've got is if they perhaps come into this thinking... Us. Not underestimate us because I don't think there's much to underestimate, is there really? But I think come in thinking that we'll be a, a bit of a walkover but, and it'll be a, a, an easy game and... After the derby game, we we actually go into a game and and take it to an opponent for once. That was the only way I could, in my head, come up with a scenario that we come out of Wednesday night with a a, a positive performance and, more importantly, a win. 
I don't think they'll be looking at it and like taking it for granted uh, as an easy three points. I think they'll be uh, trying to work out how to break us down. I don't. Yeah, think that, that's not me saying that. I think they'll do that. That's just me yeah. saying. I think that's the only, if that happens, that's the only chance we've got, in my opinion, from what I've seen for the majority of this season. Which is really damning, really, Jake. So it is, isn't it? Like, like on the manager and and the playing staff, really. But no, they'll be a decent side. Um, but you don't really get bad teams at this level, really, do you? So no. It's another another tough game. Yeah, Ollie, I don't know where you where you sort of are about Wednesday at the minute. Uh, the the only sort of two things that I can bring you really is I have a mate who's a commentary fan, and apparently. Really, the striker is at Gyokuresh. Not really sure how to pronounce it, but apparently he got a bit of an injury at the weekend and might not play, which would be a nice little boost. He's flying, isn't he, at the minute? He, I think he's got nine goals. Yeah, he's on fire. Uh, and apparently they haven't beaten us away from home since like the 60s or something. So that's about all I can give you, really, because I'm not feeling too confident on our side. I vaguely recall the year we went down. Did the... Uh... Bailey Wright score a last-minute leveller against them. There was a, there was a mad game uh, in, I think we'd been relegated. There was a mad game at Sixfields when they were playing there. Oh, I remember that day, Christ. Oh, that Callum Wilson got a hat-trick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like we've had a few bad dudes there. Cause do you remember the, um, was that like the, there was a cup game in the Wesley era where yeah, we got winning 2-1 or something and conceded yeah. two in the last minute to get beat. Steve Simmons and Dowell tools on yeah. the club sat down. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were the great North End days, weren't they? Luke Foster scored. Let's yeah. go. Luke Foster, Jesus Christ. Anything above that would be <laughs> would be nice. Yeah. I think with, with the number of home games that we've got coming up in the next 10 days... If we don't start seeing performances, do you think there's every chance that it could start to turn toxic? A little bit, because the question I was going to ask you was, in the three home games since we beat Swansea, how many shots on target do you think we've had? Six. If I was to have to guess, it would be about, yeah, <clears throat> six probably as well. Yeah, not far off, seven. So two against West Brom, two against Stoke, three on Saturday. And they're in the home games where... I mean, no wonder fans aren't coming back because no. it's, it's drab, isn't it? Well, Mark, you mentioned it in his comments, didn't he? He said there's no yeah. way that, that he'd have returned. Mm. I've seen a lot of people have posted on PNA Online and on social media saying that they were on with X who hadn't been on in years or they were sat near someone who hadn't been on in years and they turned to them at various points during the game and went, I'm not going to be coming back or... This is why I haven't been on for yeah. however many years. Can't blame him. No, it's not. It's not. It's not a good place to be, is it? Definitely not a good place to be. Um, it looks like Jim has left us for the time being. Whether or not he comes back, <laughs> listeners, your guess is as good as ours. So, if you hear Jimmy, he's back at. Oh, he's here now. Oh, he's back! Wow. Speak of the devil. Oh, nightmare. Just children. <laughs> um, we were just about to finish up the cov bit. If you want to add anything to, to cov. you mentioned about Gorkres obviously being wanted by Alex Neil when he was here, and just you know, I think what did I mean today? Ah, oh, 
it's going to annoy me that now, but this is going to be a stat that's going to be completely inaccurate. So forgive me on this, but I think he's got the most dribbles in the league or something like that, or most successful dribbles in the league. It's good with running with ball as well as finding the back of the net. So I think it'll be a tough game for us Wednesday night. They're good, do, doing well, aren't they? That, is it Callum O'Hare? Yeah. Just can't afford to give him time on ball. Just can't afford, because he, he's very good. He links everything up for him. So I think, <clears> you know, he's got a well set up, hasn't he? Robbins? Robbins? No, sorry. I forgot his name. What's his name? There yeah. Mark Robbins. Yeah, it's Mark Robbins. Robbins. It's Mark Robbins, isn't it? Who making me? He's not the last 25 years, Mark Robbins. Yeah, I was like, I'm thinking of someone else for them for a second. By all accounts, could have been an hard dog out this season. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, there's interest, well, there's apparent interest in the summer one way or the other. In turn, I don't know if it was him interested in us or us interested in him. And that's what I heard was that he'd, he'd he, been was one of, in us. he was one of the applications. Yeah. But again, how true that is. Only certain people will know that. Well, exactly, yeah. So, but yeah, I think it'll be a tough game. Come out of that game with a, a positive result. You, you sort of need one really going into the weekend, but... they have got you, Jimmy. Momentum, absolutely, Adam. Yeah, I'm mad after my own heart on the momentum train. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've only failed scoring three games this season. They've all been away from home. Their away form's a little bit Sticky is the best play way I could describe it. it yeah, I think they've only scored four Compared times home. home. Compared to the home, yeah, the, the home form's got them where they are, hasn't it? Really, you know, it's absolutely stupendous. I think it's the best way to describe it. Um, you know, six wins out of six at home. So, I think the yeah. only away win was at Blackpool, wasn't it? This season, Coventry. Yeah, yeah. five points from six away games. The only away win was at the Lashes. So, you know, away from home, apart from that, got beat off Barnsley, got beat off QPR, got beat off Luton all to nil. And yeah, then that was they, a real hammering as well at Luton, wasn't it? Real yeah, big. got beat got beat five, didn't they? Yeah. And then they went up, and then Coventry went and beat Fulham the game after 4-1 at home. Well, Strangely, yeah. the championship in it, what a beautiful league. Yeah. Um, but then draws at Rovers and draw at Millwall. There were other points away from home, so... Well, I don't know if they've stopped up here. It wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, playing Rovers on Saturday and then, you know, it might be a case of they've stayed local so they're not have to travel. But it's Wednesday, the game, isn't it? So forget that. They won't have done that, will they? Because it's five days between the games um, or four days, whatever it is. Can't count. So, <laughs> yeah, heads mangled. I was just going to say, children. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah well, we'll, well, we'll come on to the, the big one, the big one. And moving swiftly on. <laughs> I think we're all petrified, aren't we? I'm not confident, and I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say that you three aren't confident either. What? Why? Well, I don't, don't want to go into too much detail, mate, but... It's not like our form's in a pretty shit place. We can't score from open play, and you know what? We don't seem to have an identity at the moment, but apart from that, we're absolutely fine, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Rome is burning. Firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I wanted Chris Maxwell to be available. So did I. Um, quite gutted he's not available because he's always liable to come to the edge of the 18-yard box as he did four years ago this weekend and uh, drop one. Yeah, and gift uh, Fulham a point in the 95th minute. But there was no need to bring that back up. 
Asshole. There was. It was a day after I got married, and it, that point still badly hurts me quite a lot. I'm so, struggling to sleep enough as it is, Jim. I don't need things like that. Mate, honestly, it feels like I've been jabbed in the kidneys every time I get reminded of that goal. <laughs> so I just thought I'd um, give you all boys the pleasure of it as well. But they're, they're playing all right football, aren't they? You know, the, the two wingers are the the danger. Obviously, Lavery is missing for them. They, they leak a lot of shots. We don't take a lot of shots. So, I, perfect, I think that's perfect opponent for them to be well, playing. It, then, the, I, I personally think it's nil-nil and all over it, a one-nil either way. I don't think it's going to be a game for, like this. Uh, this, you know, like you know when we used to play Burnley every every season, it was like a five-three or a three-one, like all, loads yeah. of goals in it. It's going to be tight margins, and I think it always has been when we played Blackpool since you know in like, sort of two thousand and tens. You know, last time we sort of played them in the league. Um, even the cup game, you know, when we won one nil, it's very cliche, I, isn't it? But it's a game that neither side wants to lose. Not that any team goes into any game wanting to lose, but no. And I think it also helps that they've played put in their worst performance of the season at weekend against Forest. You know, they've got to go to Reading, is it on Wednesday night? I can tell you didn't watch much of the game on Saturday because we put in the worst performance of our season as well. No, well, listen, we've got we we can both. What I'm trying to say is both teams have got the opportunity to put it right on Wednesday. You know, I don't think either team is going to put in back-to-back disaster classes in performances um, because, what, by all accounts, Blackpool took quite a few fans down to, to Forest and got absolutely shown up. So, I can't see him doing that twice in a week. So, But could you see us doing it twice in a week? Yeah. I could see us doing it three times in a week, never mind twice. <laughs> that's that's got... <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say that. I, I would take it twice in a week if we win it. If we win Saturday, I think. Yeah, we've not done predictions for a while, but oh, bring you back predictions. Bring you back predictions for Derby Day. Yeah, we'll 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 gloss over Cov. But what 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 are your predictions for? We can gloss over Cov. We can gloss over Cov. We're going to do predictions, predictions. properly. Oh, all right, properly. all right, all right. What what's your prediction for Cov on Wednesday? Get beat two 0 Short and sweet, fucking hell, Jim. <laughs> nil nil. Ollie. Oh, we'll say that again, Sal. Nil nil. Ollie. One apiece. Go on, I'll give us a point. I think we'll lose one nil. <laughs> well, this is segment back. Since we're visible before listening to this podcast, you certainly are now. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's not been very positive, but. Uh, just say your that, voice we... Jake Jake it doesn't help with your voice sounding like you've been dug up <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I'd been dug up yesterday mate um, I had a, a thoroughly enjoyable night out with uh, Ollie and George on Saturday night oh I've not even said this yet but I, I know I've, I've sort of had child issues before but got to give George a lot of credit for the piece he did at part today because that's brave you know reporting it word for word what what went on because, you know, club accounts want to put that out word for word because of yeah. the content light. So, you know, absolutely fair play to him because, you know, it's sort of that, this is it, warts and all. And Credit where it's due, but equally, let us not forget, Luke wouldn't have let him finish without him doing that. <laughs> doesn't bother me, but like, it's, I just think he deserves a bit of credit because, like, you know, there's too yeah, many absolutely. times we sort of skirt around the issue. I know he's a mate of ours and everything, but, like, we can't skirt around these sort of issues. We've got to sort of attack them head on. 
And if it upsets a few people, it's going to upset a few people. But maybe they need to be told a few home truths in terms of the play, you know the players are saying that in the public domain. It's like you know, and some people have slated Barky for coming out and being so brutally honest. But if it needed saying, it needed saying, didn't it? Make sure um, what's actually being said behind closed doors. I think probably exactly what Barky's command said today is. Pretty so, much. Speaking Pretty of Barky um, and your next prediction, I'm going to go one 0 Barky's in against them lot. Kiss the badge. Imagine, imagine if he slides in on knees in front of their top, in front of their south stand or whatever it is. Kissing badge. Oh, oh I love it. it. Oh, mate, he wouldn't have to buy another drinking press ever again. He said like, um, in in the audio that I've heard from today's presser, he said, I think Seds asked him about how what what he would do if if he scored a 90th minute winner, uh, and he said him him or Potsy or you you or Potsy and Barky went. I hope it's me. I hope <laughs> to God it's me. <laughs> Love him, honestly. Like, and I can't, I can't wait because obviously blanks are put out the full interview now. Well, bits of the interview as well in terms of the video footage as well. And it's just his body language. You know, he's like, "Look, well, this is it. This is the truth." You know, and I, I like that. Long, it's just just like, there you go. So yeah, either Barky one nil last minute, which would just be amazing limbs and probably break the stand like they tested yesterday over in the Netherlands, or um, nil nil. Nil nil. We we could be the greatest side in the country, and Blackpool could be non-league, and I would still go into it fearing that we would get beat. Uh, Don, I'm going to be boring and say one-one again. I don't know how we win, but I also don't want to say that we'll get beat. <laughs> I'm I'm going to double up. I think we'll lose one-nil. Oh fuck off, Jake! We get beat <laughs> off then. My life isn't worth like the next two weeks going to work every day in that sh- oh, place. Shit. Yeah, you work in Blackpool, don't you? Yeah. It's unfortunate, mate. Yeah, boys, I think unless you've got anything else you wanna you wanna add, then we can we can wrap up a delayed episode eleven there. No, just thank you to Mr. Hammonds. Thank you for the journey you've taken us on for the past ten years and um, let's hope that the the next ten years is a fun 10 years and hopefully we'll get to the promised land for you and uh, so Tom to witness from the, the heavens more well fingers crossed anyway and um, also shout out to Shu Bamba for being an absolute maniac and walking to Blackpool on Saturday morning every credit yeah you nutter on that note boys cheers thank you very much for your time Jim thanks for uh, juggling us with your child problems at home just my child likes to use her bed as a trampoline and I also like to use a bedroom as an office <laughs> Um, Sal, thanks for coming on. Thanks for a, a first, hopefully a first of many this season. Enjoyed it, enjoyed it. It's good to be back. And Ollie, thanks again for coming back on. Much appreciated. No um, yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. And thank you, listener, for listening to episode 11 of the From the Finney podcast. Hopefully we'll be back with you as usual next week. Um, yeah, I can't envision my voice getting much worse, but with two games this week, who knows? Um, right, yeah. I'll happily step into the host role if you need to, Jake. Yeah, I think we had a discussion about that before, didn't we, mate? A couple of couple of season desists coming in if that happens. That'll be, um, yeah, we'll soon be taken offline. I think if that happened. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, thank you, boys, and thank you, listener. <laughs>